And then I realized the blog is broken. You know, I don't think I'm in the mood to do this. I'm already hungry. I've been in here trying to fix the blog for so long, I need a snack. I need a, I need a snack. Hey, welcome. It's the bitterest pill again. I know. I know. Uh, how have you been? I've been, you know, I've been, hey, listen, the answer to that question, it's always, uh, you know, how have you been, Dan? I've, I, I've been me. I don't know what you expect. What is it suddenly going to get awesome? It's suddenly, right? It's always just kind of a, here I am stuck in here in the cranial vault and I can't even say cranial. That's how bad things have gotten. I I've, apparently have lost the the ability to speak. I can't remember anything anymore. Parts of my body are getting smaller that shouldn't be. Parts of my body are getting bigger that shouldn't be. And this computer's making a lot of sound. Can you hear the fan? Aren't laptops supposed to be quiet? And this there's something about the fan in this thing. It's going ape. Is that a sign that it's going to die on me soon? What, what? What? So I sat down to record the show, and this is my normal routine. My normal routine is before I record this show, I look on the blog at thebitterspill.com, something that you never do, and I check to see what the last show was. I checked to see what the show number was because I don't remember because I don't remember anything because my mind is going and I can't speak. So I checked to see the show number. And I also kind of, especially when I skip a week, I have to check the date of the last show. And then I have to compare that to my calendar to see what's happened since the last show in case I decide that I want to discuss something that has happened since the... uh, And so I go to the blog... At thebitterspill.com. And it's all, it's just messed up, The right? The the header's on the left and the blog posts are on the right and the, something's down the middle and the type is all small and it's got serifs. Do I really want the type to have serifs? I don't even know. Why is suddenly everything is in eight point times New Roman? I, that That doesn't make any sense. And then the fan of the computer, and I know that's not related to the blog. You understand it's all just sort of adding to the anxiety. The fan now of the computer is going ape. Do you hear that? Do I need to go back to recording into the digital recorder that was silent? It's really... Are we there? Are you back? Oh, you're there. Okay, so during that split second that of just then, like a just... Okay, do you understand? Two seconds ago, I stopped recording. I restarted the computer. I went in the house. I got a snack. I ate the snack. That's how long it took the whole thing to restart. I ate the snack. It's gone. What am I, you know, zone bar, whatever, whatever. What is it? Yeah. I got a tasty beverage of water with slices of cucumber in it because I, I live I live the spa life. And so now I'm back with yeah, whatever. Sticky mouth and a slightly, basically slightly more quiet computer. If it gets too out of hand, I'm just going to throw it on the floor. And if it still records, whatever. No, can you hear the fan? It's winding up again. 
You hear that? It's going to drive me crazy. Hold on. Oh, my God. This is, like, this is like a dream come true. Listen to that. Can you hear that? Now, listen. Oh. What happened? I put it under the table, and I thought, I thought silence was bestowed upon me. But now I can hear it again. Uh, I give up. I give up. I give up. Do you understand? And you probably can't even hear it because I'm probably, after I record this, going to put it through some filter or something in the computer. The computer that's causing the trouble. The computer that's causing the trouble will solve the problem. That That's computers for you. You know what it is? I'm very, uh, I'm very aware of all this because our refrigerator last, uh, Saturday, I guess, Friday, Friday night, Saturday, stopped working. Now, of course it did, because you, that's how you know it's a holiday, uh, holiday weekend here in the class household. Hey, is it a holiday weekend? I don't know. Are all the appliances working? No, one just broke down, in fact. Then, yes, it must be a holiday weekend. Because every holiday weekend, three-day weekend, something goes belly up. Right at the very beginning. And then you kind of panic. Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, the other, whatever Friday it was, right before Memorial Day. Did we, is that what it was? We just had Memorial Day or Labor Day? Memorial Day. Um, the fridges got very, uh, you know, warm, for lack of a better, right? So it just was not cooling. Now, the freezer was working, but not the refrigerator. Now, of course, the soonest service appointment I could get would be for the next Thursday. It was actually for today. So the, right, the refrigerator broke down the Friday night or Saturday morning of Memorial Day weekend. And the soonest appointment would have been today, Thursday, the 31st, uh, between 8 and noon. Well, needless to say, we had to uh, cool our food. We have food. That's what our refrigerator, what we do, we have food. We buy it or we make it and then... Some of it has to be refrigerated, and that's what the refrigerator is for, you see. So, we had to figure out how to refrigerate our food. So, my wife decided, you know, I'd been begging enough uh, to replace the refrigerator that was in the garage. We used to have a refrigerator in the garage for many years. And so we tended to buy that way. We purchased, we would go to Costco, we'd get things in bulk, we had children, and we would eat out of that refrigerator freezer in our other right? That's how Americans in America do it. I'm sorry, but it's true. Our carbon footprint is the size of Sasquatch. And I don't mean Sasquatch's feet. So we had a, we had a refrigerator here in the garage. But what that meant was... Uh, I was driving around less, so carbon, right, footprint, shrinkage, so I don't know, it probably all evens out, but then we decided, well, let's not spend $500 or whatever on a new refrigerator, Dan, you'll just try to make it work, and I have been, and I go now to the grocery store every day, I go to the grocery store every day, I do laundry pretty much every day, and every day, and then I do every day. And then every couple of weeks, my wife, well, and I do laundry. And part of the reason I do laundry every day, as you know, is because so much of our laundry doesn't go in the wash, or the, excuse me, the dryer. So I can only do so much laundry a day because then we run out of drying space. We have a dryer that's full of my t-shirts and underwear. 
What goes in the dryer? Dan's clothes. So my clothes go in the dryer. Everyone else's, including my son's t-shirts, because they're going to shrink. And, and God forbid. They get hung up by me. So every day I do laundry. Every day I do go get groceries. Every day I'm dr hanging up, right? Okay, so now... Oh, and then every three weeks, maybe four weeks, my wife will start to stress out and complain that I am not making enough money. Well, part of the reason that, and no one can really understand this mathematics, because she'll complain that I go to the grocery store every day. And she'll make that complaint every other day. And then on the days that she doesn't complain about the fact that I go to the grocery store every day, she complains about the fact that there's not enough food in the house. And I say, well... Uh, we can only fit so much food in the refrigerator because everything, see, unlike the, the dryer, everything in our house that can go in the refrigerator goes in the refrigerator. You know, when you go to the grocery store and when you buy things, certain things at the grocery store are in the refrigerator and then certain things are not in the refrigerator. Okay. Things that are in the refrigerator, Dan, like what? Well, you know, like produce. Produce, when you go to the store, is in a refrigerated case. Dairy products, refrigeration. Meat products, refrigeration. Right? I'm not counting the freezer stuff. I'm talking about refrigeration. Now, bread is on the shelf. Cereal is on the shelf. Crackers are on the shelf. Every box of crackers, cereal, and she's even got me doing it. I do it now, too. I'm as guilty now as they are. Everything goes in the refrigerator. Now, it used to be, my wife, what she did, she argued that it was for freshness, but the truth is she had a bit of, like, ant phobia when we first moved in here, and the house was overtaken by ants. Yeah, it was. I admit it. We, it was. Not my fault. Not her fault. It just happened. The house, when we bought it, we moved in, and so did the ants. So I think that's when everything went in the refrigerator. Ants don't go in your refrigerator. So anyway, where am I going with this? Okay, so yes, every other week she complains. Every No, it's every other day. It's either you're going to the grocery store too much or you need to get more food in the house. And then the thing with me working, and that's because I, I don't have time to work. When would I When would I work like a traditional job? Because I have to drop the kids off. I have to pick them up at 3.30. I have to take my daughter to dance. I have to be available during the day, every day of the week to drive something to school that they left at home. I don't have time for a job. Now, the answer to that is I need to figure out not a job, but something I can do. I'm sorry. I keep touching something. I'm sorry. That, that, okay. I didn't mean to make that sound. Okay. Sue me. <laughs> don't bother. There's nothing. Um, basically, I, I, so I can't have a job. And plus, in theory, I still make a little bit of money hawking products on television. And when I say products, I mean product. <laughs> um, what I need is a job that I can do between 8.15 and 3 p.m. That pays about a hundred thousand dollars a year. Now, if you can, if you know of this job, I would love to discuss it with you. So again, the parameters are middle-aged bald man with glasses with really very few discernible marketable skills would like a job that from a, let's say eight 30 in the morning, it depends on where it is. You got to understand, because I do have to get there. 
I have so basically I can begin work as soon as possible, but I have to right. I drop my kids off at around eight eight fifteen, and then I'll drive to wherever you know wherever, and then I'll work from whenever I get there. I'd say till about whenever I would have to leave to then be back at school at three thirty. And and honestly, this is all up in the air because school's over anyway. So the the whole conversation is a moot point because it's summertime. So really, what I do, I need a job that I can do while my kids are watching television in the living room for this summer. And then in September, when my daughter is still going to her old school, the current school, the same school she's been going to forever, and my son is going to school in Santa Monica, so I don't even know. Basically, I need a job where I can work maybe four hours a day and make about six figures. Again, it's DK at Dan Class, D-A-N-K-L-A, just dot com. Let me know what that is. What was the point of this conversation? The refrigerator stopped working. Now, luckily, my wife, though, is very resourceful and bright. So she had the idea of getting some dry ice to tide us over until we could get someone to come look at the refrigerator. And at this point, we didn't know that it was going to take until today to get someone to come out and look at the refrigerator. But we at least knew we needed to get enough dry ice to last the weekend. I wasn't even going to talk about the refrigerator. I have a like a to-do list of what to talk about on the show. It didn't say refrigerator on there until I wrote, because I started talking about it, fridge. So Saturday morning, I'm down at the loading dock at Johnny's Dry Ice in Inglewood. Picking up 20 pounds of dry ice. So my wife has taken everything that's in the refrigerator and kind of, right, kind of grouped it in the top, the top shelf. And I have two 10-pound blocks of dry ice. And we put them in garbage bags. And I don't really remember what my thinking was with the garbage bags. I think it was just a paranoia thing. So for some reason, we put them in in little white garbage bags, the kind of garbage bags you have in your kitchen, not a black one, but the white kind, the drawstring little, you know, 13-gallon, whatever. And we put them in the fridge and we close the fridge. And the idea is don't open the fridge unless you really super need something and know what it is ahead of time and then get it in and shut the fridge. Because when the water hits the dry ice, that's what makes the dry ice, quote unquote, melt. Dry ice, as you know, goes straight from a solid to a gas. It doesn't, you know, so I don't know if melting, melting isn't really the word for it, but you understand what I mean. My son wouldn't know the word because he's been taking chemistry. I have not. I don't remember. What is that word? I forget. Disip- no, it doesn't matter. Well, it's, it, it, it worked like a charm. Two 10-pound, right, blocks of uh, dry ice, frozen hydrogen or helium or whatever the hell that is, in your refrigerator uh, really works like a charm. And so it worked, I think it was Saturday and then Sunday. And then, well, actually, let me take that back. At one point, I realized that it wasn't working very well. And so I poked holes in one of the garbage bags. Because I felt like that was going to let more cold air out, and it really did. Suddenly, cold air is just pouring out of this bag. So at some point on Friday, I the refrigerator, first. so it had been warm, and then we put in the dry ice, and then it was kind of cold. And then I poked in the holes, and then it got really cold. 
and stuff started freezing. The apples froze. The, we had some spinach in there, some fresh spinach froze. Everything's freezing from the dry ice. And then at some point on Sunday or Monday, I realized that things don't, it doesn't, when you open the door, it doesn't feel like it's trying to hurt you. It feels like normal coldness. And I think to myself, oh, well, you know what? I bet the dry ice is small enough now where it's not automatically just freezing the bejesus out of everything. And it's probably a kind of found some interesting normal room, right, uh, refrigeration temperature. So I check very carefully, check the bags to see how much dry ice we have left, because then the next day, all I have to do is make it till Tuesday and then I can go get more dry ice. It's not a problem. It's the holiday weekend, right? I had until I think it was 1 p.m. on Saturday and then that was it for the dry ice. At Jimmy's Dry Ice in Inglewood. So I touch the bag and the bag is empty. And I, but the fan is on in the fridge and the fan is blowing around cold air. So somehow the refrigerator has fixed itself. And now we have this weird, like, well, do we still have the guy come out and look at it? Or do we, and we're like, well, yeah, we have to have the, because it went south. It went south and we got to, is there some diagnostic thing they can do? I mean, it's going to be one of those ridiculous things where you go to the doctor and go, well, it hurts when I, well, it doesn't hurt anymore. A couple of days ago, it hurt. My leg it would hurt. Like I do that all the time. I went there. That happened to me two weeks ago. I had to go to my podiatrist. And he said, well, what's wrong? Is everything okay? I'm like, oh, yeah, everything's great. A couple of weeks ago, it was really horrible. But right now, nah, not so much. Like, well, where? And I'm like, ah, do I remember? I don't know. You know what? Uh. Basically, I think the, 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 basically what I'm trying to say is you can't even trust your refrigerator to break. I mean, that is really the bottom line of this tale. The tale is even when you think things are crappy, uh, you're being conned. You're being conned by sometimes your appliances. It could happen. It could happen. Now, I'm sorry. I'm in a weird, odd, it's been a weird day. This is how the day started. Today was a what they call at our kids' school a late start day. And I won't get into the why they have late start day. It's something where they know, you know, studies show a doctor that they know said, the kids need more sleep, especially the middle school kids. And so every once in a while they have a late start day and they say, oh, well, that's so the kids can sleep in. And the truth is, I mean, that's awesome, but I don't think that's really what the doctor, I think the doctor meant like every day the kid needs more sleep, not you know, once every two months. You know, when there's something like an event at the school the night before, they'll have a late start day. Well, last night was open house. And then so today was a late start day. So, but I ended up getting up at the normal time. Because I was thinking about going and doing some exercise, and that's the whole thing we'll talk about later or tomorrow or something. I don't know. So I thought, now, you know, I hate the, I'm, I just, I don't hate the dog. I mean, that's hard. I don't, I think hate is a strong word. I don't hate the dog. The dog is a chore that I have that the family loves. The other three love the damn dog. I, right? It's just things that I have to do. Poop I have to pick up, and I have to watch him pee 30 times a day. And keep him out of trouble, and he barks at everything, and whoa, ha, ha, ha. 
If, let me put it this way, if I accidentally strangled him, I'm not sure how heartbroken I would be. Well, the, the dog um, has, an, has an arch nemesis, I th we thought. Actually, my wife and kids thought it was a nemesis. I thought they wanted to play together. But there's this squirrel that thinks it lives here. And it behaves as if, it like, our backyard is its backyard. And why the hell are we out there? Why are we out there with the dog? Why is the dog looking at the squirrel? Why are we playing badminton? Why are we barbecuing? What are you doing? Get lost. And so the squirrel has real attitude. It, has the, it almost has the attitude of an urban squirrel. And I don't know if you've ever seen an urban squirrel or a serious beach squirrel. Urban squirrels and beach squirrels are super, not do, domesticated isn't the word. They're not afraid of the peoples at all. Like if you go to a, like a small park with a playground in New York City, those squirrels will eat out of your hand and they will eat off your, off your hand. They will eat off your hand. And I don't mean they'll eat food off your hand. I mean they'll chew off your flesh. But they will come right out and take a nut. And, and they do this at the beach too. My mom used to feed these squirrels at the beach, at this park near the beach. Maybe it has something to do with parks. I have no idea. But if you bring nuts, if you bring your nuts to the park... And how from to a squirrel. That squirrel wants a nut, you know what I'm saying? So the squirrel in our backyard has the attitude of an urban, I would say an urban, a more urban squirrel. Now maybe it's because we live in Los Angeles and it should be an urban squirrel, but, but it doesn't live in Urbania. It lives in suburbia. We live in suburbia. And it, so it should have a suburban mentality, which is when you see a human, you should run. And, and again, this is the, issue I have with the possums is when they see me, I am the master of this domain. They should run and they don't. They just kind of like, nah, it's him. Like I can't even get respect and fear out of much, much, much smaller mammal slash marsupials. And it's very infuriating. So this squirrel antagonizes Hugo, our dog. They stare at each other. Now, Hugo, I think, wants to play with the squirrel. But, you know, dogs are funny that way. They Sometimes I wonder if there's kind of a fine line between playing and eating. I, I don't know where that would go. The squirrel, though, definitely gets in Hugo's face and stares him down and yells at him. Like, you know, that weird, I almost said shrimp language. Squirrels don't speak shrimp language, do they? Because I almost said shrimp language. Like, I had some knowledge of the working language of the squirrel phyla. And I'm sure that is a phyla. I'm sure squirrel is a phyla. And that they have a language that's called shrimp language. So I'm starting to lose my mind. So these two ass, these two asses basically antagonize the crap out of each other. Okay, the little dog that can't climb a tree and the squirrel that knows he can't climb a tree. And there are even times when we're trying to play badminton, me and the kids or me and the whole family or whoever, we're trying to play badminton and the squirrel is antagonizing the dog, which means it's antagonizing the kids to the point where Hudson and I were really considering getting some sort of weapons. We were actually pricing BB guns and airsoft guns. Airsoft makes some very reasonably priced pistols. Now, you know, I know. I know, I know. Dan, I thought you were against guns. Dan, I thought you were right. I thought you were a pacifist. Dan, I thought, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, in a way, yes, I am. But also in a way, right? 
in a way, I grew up in kind of suburban, rural New York. I know for some of you that sounds like an oxymoron, but I, I grew up, like when I was in high school, we had 40 acres. That Our backyard was 40 acres. And people would come onto the land and shoot the deer. Deer and pheasants and all that kind of crap. And we would torment a few toads. I'll, I'll admit, I, I may have, you know, thrown a few toads around the back 40. So... I will admit, and I'm not proud of it, but I probably would never pass the membership quiz for PETA. I would try, and I'm trying, I'm trying to evolve or whatever, but you know how I am. Like, I would never really honestly hurt your dog or your cat or any kind of cute wild animal, like probably the squirrel. But once the squirrel starts disobeying and starts kind of throwing in the face the fact that I'm a little afraid of it because a squirrel could go apeshit on you, and it has claws and teeth, and it would just rip you to shreds. When that thing starts getting in my face and interrupting my badminton games, it's on. So H and I really were pricing airsoft guns, and I was starting to kind of rationalize it and saying, well, we could use it in a video as a prop. It looks like a real gun. And then we could shoot the squirrel with it if we happen to, you know, lose our minds. You know what I mean? We could get the airsoft. It might be kind of a fun toy. And if the squirrel happens to get shot one day, hey, listen. It wouldn't kill it, but it might learn it through negative reinforcement. Well, okay, through punishment, we might condition the squirrel to leave me the F alone and by proxy the dog. And my wife had no problem with it because she doesn't care. She would, my wife would just assume we got an actual gun and just shot it. She didn't care. She just wanted that squirrel out of the backyard leave the dog alone. I mean, I'm still walking the dog around at night on a leash all the time because of the damn possum. So I, right, I'm, I'm losing it. So this morning I get up and I'm trying to, and I'm not quite awake enough. I can't go exercise because I was thinking of going to exercise. And again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. It, it doesn't warrant a lot of discussion, although maybe it will. But I decide that I'm going to let the dog out because I might as well and because the dog's good at getting the kids up. So I take the dog and I let him out the backyard and he makes a beeline. Now he has this route where he goes on the, out the door on, along the little bit of driveway that's in the backyard. We have a little bit of driveway in the backyard. Does that make any sense? I know for some of you that's weird. Like, how could you have backyard driveway? Well, we do. Trust me. Behind the, the garage is detached and it's behind the house and off to the side. And so some of the driveway is in the backyard. OK, just accept it. So he goes along there and then at the corner of the garage, he takes a left because there's a little little like two cinder block tall wall. And he walks along that to the corner and then he takes it back and he stays on there and then he goes out to the back bit of grass and starts to do his business. Russell do a little pee on the ficus tree unless I haven't trimmed it in too long, which is how it is now. And then he won't pee because he can't really get a good angle on the trunk. You understand? He's a boy dog, right? So below. Okay. So today he goes on the driveway and he goes to the little first thing. The other uh, little wall, the little two cinder block tall wall. And then he comes to the corner and he makes a screeching halt. And he starts sniffing something in that like crazy way that he sniffs. He sniffs in a crazy way. And again, I grew up, my mother always had dogs. But all of the dogs but one were female. So I really don't know very much. I have very little experience with the male dog psyche. The only male dog we had, his name was Bentley. He was really cute and he ran away. He was not bright. 
our dog, there's this very excited sniffing thing that he does where he sniffs, 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 and then it's like he freaks out, sniffs. And usually that means he's going to take a crap or, excuse my language, or uh, something super exciting has gone on there. And it's like checking somebody else's Facebook to I don't know what's happening. Or in this case, it's a dead squirrel. For some reason, his nemesis was lying dead on the gravel at the base of the big ficus tree at the corner of his little walkway on the two cinder block high wall. Just lying there looking so peaceful, he'd not, he didn't look broken. He didn't look chewed. He just kind of was lying there like he was taking a nap to the point where I grabbed the dog. I pulled the dog off of him because he didn't look dead. He just looked like he was just sort of, you know, lying there. And I thought to myself, you know, possums pretend to be dead. And there's a possum that's around here all the time. So maybe these guys had some sort of nocturnal meeting, some strategy conference. And the possum taught the squirrel how to play possum. And that thing's going to rip out both our jugular veins. So back off, Hugo. So I take the dog. I take the dog in the house and we wipe his snout because he was sniffing dead squirrel. And now, of course, it's my job to dispose of a dead squirrel. Now, by the way, this is a fictional story. So if you're if you're listening to this story and you work for animal control in the city, state, a city or a county of Los Angeles, state of California, I'm just telling you now, this is a work of fiction. It's all made up. The squirrel is fine. He's up in the tree. He's making that little sound at us right now. So the rest of the story is completely made up. And I don't want you to think that I have violated any laws, that I write this, again, work of fiction. This is not what really happened. What really happened is nothing happened. The squirrel is fine. I'm sure he will be back very soon. So now I've got a dead squirrel at the base of the ficus tree, and I don't, I, I really don't like dealing with the dead animals, obviously, especially the larger one, because I've told you this story before. There was that time that a squirrel, uh, not a squirrel, excuse me, a crow died. And again, this part is fictional too, animal control. But there was a dead squirrel at the bottom of the driveway, the other end of the driveway, the street end of the driveway. And I had to get my shovel and I carried the crow up the driveway, past the garage, along the little thing that Hugo runs on and out the back gate. And the whole time I did that, the crows were watching me like it was some kind of freaking Hitchcock movie and like I had killed the crow. And it was really freaky because in all seriousness, they were having some kind of weird funeral thing standing on the telephone wires watching me move their buddy Jimmy. And they're all giving me that look like I was the one that, right, off to Jimmy. So I'm carrying now this stupid squirrel who we never even named. He was That, that was how annoyed we were at this squirrel. This squirrel... Now, you know how, right, I I named that dead crow Jimmy. That is his name. Jimmy is the dead crow. That was his name the last time I told the story, because that's Jimmy. The possum is George. George the Junkyard Possum, or George the Junkyard Opossum. His name is George. This squirrel never had a name. I'm not, and I can't even make up one for you now. He's dead. It's too late. He's not coming back. 
Of course, he'll really be back animal control because I didn't just take him out and kind of put him outside my gate and cover him with leaves. He's really not dead. So I take him out the back gate. And of course, I have to go in the house. I had to get this, write my keys for the gate because I'm not exactly dressed in my gate opening clothes. I look like a jerk because I'm actually... Oh, no, I had to finish walking the dog, too. So I'm in gym shorts and black socks. I look like such a suburban moron with my dress shoes. I have these slip-on shoes, these, like, uh, what do you call them shoes? Um, What's that stuff? Suede, I guess? I have no memory. Have you seen You know I'm in a commercial for Ancestry.com. I think it's those shoes. I think they actually had me wear my own shoes. So I'm in my Ancestry.com shoes. And black socks and black gym shorts and whatever I slept in, I don't even remember, walking the dog out the front. And, of course, Mike, my next-door neighbor, Mike, who I usually call – oh, sorry. His name's Steve. Steve um, Whitelake. So, Steve, of course, Steve Whitelake is out with his new dog, Charlie. And he wants Hugo and Charlie to be best friends. And Hugo hates Charlie because Charlie's big and Hugo's tiny. So Hugo has to start barking at Charlie. And then he's barking at this other lady who's walking by with her gigantic dog. So I'm like, hey, Steve White, like, this is awesome. There's a dead freaking squirrel in the back. And now I got to listen to you yammer about how it would be so awesome if Charlie and Hugo were friends. They're never going to be friends. Hugo is scared poopless of Charlie. Can we just, can I go shovel up this squirrel? So now I've got my keys. I go, I open the gate, I go back, I get my shovel, my handy dandy dead animal shovel. It's really now it's the only time I ever use that shovel is to move dead animals that I didn't even kill. So I take the squirrel, this squirrel has no name and I take it to the back, but I, I back through the gate with the shovel in my hand because I don't want the cars that are driving by to see me with a squirrel on a shovel. Because I, I do think that when you find a dead squirrel or anything like that, I, I assume because this is, is a city, technically, you're supposed to call animal con- control, I think. Because they're very clear. You're not supposed to put it in your recycle bin. Right? Even if you believe in reincarnation, it does not go in the recycle bin. It doesn't go in the garbage bin. And it doesn't go in the green barrel. That's for leaves and tree uh, trimmings and grass only. No dead animal carcasses. But behind my gate, where I never see, which kind of doesn't exist because I don't look back there unless I'm taking out the garbage on Sunday night, that seems like a good place for uh, this fictional dead squirrel body. So I open up the gate. I'm backing out because our house is, uh, you know, our property is lot to lot, which or uh, street to street. So out our back isn't another house. It's that street back there, this like alley street. And it gets a lot of traffic in the morning because people go through there to go from one side of the... Westchester or whatever to the other. Really, from one side of Westchester to the middle. But the point is, there are a lot of cars. So I wait until there's no car coming, and then I back out, right? And I kind of put the squirrel down. And the good news is, we we must have some kind of gopher back there. And that thing will show up dead soon. Don't, don't worry, I'll be shoveling the gopher any day now. But there must be some kind of gopher. Now, there used to be gophers back there before we extended the backyard, and now I think the gophers are actually smart enough they don't chew up the grass on my side of the wall. Because if they did, I would have that air shot rifle or whatever it's called, and I would be pegging the gophers. Because I'll tell you right now, I come from a long line of gopher-killing, trapping suburban men. The cla- When I was 
eight, my dad used to pull gophers out of the ground like it was Christmas Day. So they, I don't know if they can smell that I'm a descendant of my father, the San Bernardino gopher killer from the 70s and 60s. I don't know what's happening, but they're smart enough to stay on their side of the wall. They can have that whole side. I don't care. That is perfectly fine with me. They can have the variance behind the wall. Now, the good news is because there's gophers back there on the variance behind the wall, there's a lot of really loose sandy dirt back there. So basically, I don't remember putting down the the uh, squirrel, but I must have, must have set down the squirrel and then taken the shovel and loosened up some of this gopher dirt and then kind of placed the squirrel in there and then just kind of covered it with some leaves because no one walks on there because there's no sidewalk. It's just the variants and, and we got a bunch of flowers that grow there. There are these weird California flowers that just grow. I assume someone planted them. Now, anything we plant dies. Or anything we plant, we have to uh, water all the time. But then there's this special kind of California daisy, I think it's called, that will just grow. Even if you try to kill it, it will grow. And um, it's it's back there with the dead squirrel, keeping it camouflaged. Because people, right, when they're walking by, unless they have a dog. Oh, mm. Yeah, I kind of forgot about dogs. See, because there's no sidewalk back there, so people don't usually walk on that road. But if they do walk on that road with a dog, which I wouldn't, I would never walk a dog on that road because there's no sidewalk. But I'm just saying if they walk a dog on that sidewalk right there, the dog will probably smell the squirrel because it's not exactly what you would call buried. It's more what I would call camouflaged. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Is there a law against camouflaging a dead squirrel? that could be left to be eaten by a passing dog on a walk in the suburbs. I really, you know what? I think after having lived here for whatever it is, since 2000, what is this? Thir coming up July 4th weekend, it'll be 13 years in this house. I think maybe I should, uh, you know, learn more about the uh, disposal of dead animal uh, statutes in the area. All right, we're just checking to see if we're recording. Hold on, I want to see how long have we been talking? Do you have any idea? I have no idea what time it is. Let's see, and I can't because I put the computer under the table now. I can't see. Oh, I have a, I have my phone right here. All right, it's two thirty. I don't know how long we've been talking now. Let's see if I just maybe I'll edit this out of the show. Okay, forty minutes. Okay. Um, I, I guess we might as well talk about my uh... <laughs> uh, I almost said career. That's so funny. Um, it's getting warm in here. I'm getting woozy. Hold on. I got to take a sip of um... uh, wow. Cucumber. Cucumber water. Does that make me a girl if I drink cucumber water? It was my daughter's idea. It wasn't my idea. I was drinking water with lemon in it. I'm off the Diet Coke again. And I think that's why I eat so many Zombars, because there's probably caffeine in the fake chocolate. But what are you going to do, my friend? So listen, let's take a moment and discuss my lack of career. And in doing so, discuss my daughter's career and discuss how she is definitely eclipsing me uh, completely. And she's 10. Now, when we last spoke, I don't know if I talked about this at all. 
So if I'm repeating myself, it is partially senility and partially senility. But uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, why was that? I think I was picking up some headshots or some actuary thing. I was like, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was in Hollywood in the morning. And I decided that if I were a smart actor in Los Angeles, what I should probably do once every five years or so is stop in and say hello to my agent. Or in my case, agents. Okay. So I thought, you know what, Dan, instead of driving straight home, you actually have time to stop in and see your agents. And you should probably do that because they help you make your money. And you need to, because this Ancestry.com commercial is not going to last forever. So, so I, I call them because they, they moved the office. The office used to be, I don't know if you're familiar with L.A. The office used to be right across from what is the Grove, which is at the farmer's market. And it's been there for a long time. Back when I first signed with them and we first started working together, the Grove wasn't even there. It was just a bunch of weird trailers in a parking lot for CBS or something. And the farmer's market was there because that's been there since I don't, maybe the 20s or 30s. I don't know. So, But now it's where the Grove is. Okay? And the Grove is a fancy mall that you've seen in a bunch of TV shows. You just didn't know it, but that's the Grove. But it, they moved. They moved from there, across from the Grove, to across from LACMA. I'm in, in what I believe it either currently is or used to be the Variety Building. You know Variety? Showbiz. That's showbiz lingo, man. LACMA is Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Thank you. Well done. Near the La Brea Tar Pits. Okay, so now are we are we together? You go down Wilshire you towards the smell of tar, and then you stop, and it's kind of right there-ish. Or maybe I'd been at SAG, actually. I think I'd been at SAG because I owed SAG money. It's a long story, whatever. It's for the car loan. Anyway, Dan, get it together. So so I decided I'm going to see my agents, whom I love. You know that. You know I love my agents. Okay. So I um, I call them and I say, hey, listen, I, you know, we keep talking about how I'm going to stop in and say hi. I'm in the neighborhood. Can I stop in and say hi? And they're like, oh, uh, gee, maybe at one, could you do it one? Or like, well, you know, when I say I'm in the area, what that means is I'm in the area presently and it's about 1030 in the morning. So for me to be in the area now and then come see you at one, what the F am I going to do from 1030 to one? But luckily, I hemmed it hot enough, and she hemmed it hot enough, and then she was like, oh, well, Rachel's going to go on vacation, so it really should be today, I guess. But So finally, they're like, yeah, you should just come up now. So I, I went up. I saw them. They're doing great. The offices are awesome, very cool and modern, great view of the city. The Hollywood sign, the whole thing. Look, very L.A. It's very L.A. You feel like you're a success when you're there. You do. You feel like things are happening. You feel like things are happening, and then your agent comes out and says, Dan, how are you doing? Oh, you're looking great. Oh, yeah, things are slow. Things are really slow, and the new contract for the union is not looking good, and things are slow. But how's your daughter? 
oh, my daughter's doing great. Yeah, you know, she did that thing and, uh, you know, whatever and blah, blah, blah. And she's auditioning a little bit. And Nickelodeon had her come in and say hi and all this kind of jazz. Oh, wait, my computer made a sound. Hold on. Oh, I'm running out of battery power. I, th I should probably address that. So anyway, I'm back. The, the, the computer is plugged in. The dog is with me. I got to tell you something. I think the dog is in mourning. He's been acting really strange today. I caught him twice in our bedroom, sleeping on a pile of my wife's clothing. I really, I really think, I think the, the right, the death of his friend of me, Squirrely Squirrel. Uh, did I just name, hey Hugo, did I just name that stupid squirrel? Oh, he's biting his foot. He doesn't care what I say. I think I think the death of Squirrely Squirrel is is weighing heavily on Hugo's mind. I think he's he's finally feeling like he's kind of got to you know you know face his own mortality at a certain level. You know what I mean? He is a rescue dog. He's he's been near the edge, so you know it puts life into perspective. So anyway, so I'm with my agents. They're asking about my daughter. They're telling me it's slow. They're sort of, they they got nothing for me. Holly, right? I whatever. So. And then my friend, uh, you know, my friend means well. I have this friend named Peter, Peter Doyle, who uh, is an actor in Rochester, New York. And um, he's probably, you know, the wonderful irony of living in New York and uh, in Rochester, New York, and being an actor is I think he's actually been in more movies than I have. Again, further evidence that I should have, uh, right, done anything else with my life. So... Well, Peter's the one that was in that Christian movie that I, with the director that I'm apparently not working for. Hey, I looked up on IMDb, by the way, to see who, um, if they had cast, um, you know, the parts in that Christian movie. And remember, I wanted to play the uh, journalism professor, and they did cast the part. And the guy looks exactly like me, except it's not me. Yeah, the I know, the computer's back on the table. So... Okay, now the computer's resting on a heater. All right, listen, I've lost all interest in telling you this. Basically, so... Oh, so, yeah, I forgot. So, my, so Peter Doyle re recommends that I see this documentary. It's called something like That Guy That's In That Thing. And it's a documentary, and I've, I've seen something else like this. I think Stars Network made one recently. But it's about character actors. And they'll, you know, somebody will make a thing about that every once in a while. Like, hey, these are all these people that you recognize, but you don't know their names. They're in so many movies, but they're not celebrities. But, you know, whatever. So Peter um, says, oh, you should check this out. You might find it interesting. And it's I knew it was on Netflix, so I looked it up and I watched part of it. And it was interesting. It was it was really valuable, valuable to see a bunch of guys that I consider to be much more successful than I am, but who apparently go through all the same things as far as getting auditions, dealing with it, right? that just that whole process. So in that way, it was insanely helpful. But they part of it is uh, interviewing these actors. It was all guys for some reason. Part of it was interviewing two agents, two powerful Hollywood agents that deal in this kind of actor, 
basically the kind of actor that I'm aspiring to be, right? So here's a group of guys. I'd love to be one of them. And they show a couple agents. And these agents apparently represent most of these guys. And they are my old agents that I had when I had agents back when I used to have agents, not my current agents, not my commercial agent, not my current TV film agent, my old, my old agents that I knew were powerful. The ones that got me onto X-Files and, uh, say, uh, 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 what's it called? <sighs> Come on, Dan. Touched by an angel. The ones, that, the ones that got me auditions for movies, the, right, the parts went to Matthew McConaughey and Liev Shriver, those people. Yeah, there two two of the four agents that I worked with when I was with them are are the two agents that they interview in this documentary. So in this whole documentary I'm seeing my old agents Donna and Charles and all the guys that I right But when when my son was born, we I kind of kept at it. And I still was working. I think I did the X-Files when my wife was 6 months pregnant. Eh, maybe three months pregnant. I think it was still pretty new because I was still freaking out. But anything after that, I mean, that was, you know, we would jockey around this newborn and this baby and then this toddler dropping him off at my wife's office so she could watch him so I could go do an audition for a TV show here, a film there, a commercial there. And so by the time my daughter was born, so my son now is four, my daughter's a newborn. I had had it. I was just burnt out. And... That was about the time that I was supposed to do that Gordy Hoffman movie that I essentially talked myself off of, which I still regret, but I just couldn't, I couldn't, I was burnt. I was swamped. I was exhausted. I was keeping care of two kids while my wife worked all the time. And what I did, and you don't realize you're doing this as you're doing it. You only realize many years later. As I was raising those kids, as I was driving one to preschool, and bottle feeding the other one and burping and walking around and eventually starting the show. I let my relationship with very powerful, not powerful, powerful is maybe not exactly the right word. Excuse me for saying so. But the basically I, I, I was very lucky. I met while I was doing standup possibly the best agents I could possibly have met in that they handle the kind of actor that I would be if I were the least bit successful. And when my daughter was born, I unknowingly let that relationship die on the vine. I just didn't stay in touch. I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. I just didn't do anything. I just raised my baby and drove around my toddler and I fathered them. And not that I regret being the kind of dad I was. I don't for a second, but I stopped doing stand-up completely and I stopped calling Charles and Donna and the other two completely. And eventually that relationship died and it is dead and it is not... I, I casually tried to resurrect a little something of it recently and there is not... I don't think you can... Right? Resurrection is not something that happens anywhere. Not in Hollywood, not anywhere. But seeing them in this movie, it really reminded me um, how much I missed them and how much I really enjoyed working with them. 
And it really hammered home that it never actually gets easier, that this is just a journey. It, there's no destination, not, not ever. I, do, I, I wish I was on a higher path than the one I'm on. And I mean that, I think, in a couple of different ways. In one way, I wish I was on a higher path, meaning I wish I had these guys' problems. Like, they've been series regulars on a couple of shows. They've been guest stars on a couple of dozen shows. They've done small parts in a couple of dozen movies. Like, I wouldn't mind being that on that higher path. But then the other thing is, I just wish I were aiming higher in general. I have nothing to lose. I thought I wanted to get back into acting because I had nothing to lose. And now I'm realizing I, I shouldn't get back into acting. I should do something else because I have nothing to lose. Other than I have to figure out what I can do between 8.30 and 3.30. All right, I think I need to stop talking because... It's quickly coming up on 3.30. Um, so basically, I guess the next time we're going to talk about the fact that my daughter, the superstar, uh, and I, I guess I don't remember. She already booked another commercial. Did I even tell you that? I don't. I may have known the last time I recorded. I'm a little behind on the telling of the things. But my, my daughter booked another commercial. Did I tell you my wife got another job? Yeah, okay. So my wife, my wife, basically, so, right, the day, yeah, I think it was the day after we spoke last, which was May 16th, uh, May 17th, so my daughter had her fitting, and my husband, my uh, son Hudson has all this high school stuff he's getting ready for. My wife got a new job, and I almost have a, a nervous breakdown. Quite literally. So let's talk about that next time. Next time, let's talk about my nervous breakdown. I'm going to write this down. Nervous. It wasn't really a nervous breakdown. Although maybe it was. I don't really know what a nervous breakdown is. Um, okay. When you're driving around uh, LAX, crying and babbling to yourself in the car, is that a nervous breakdown? Like, what, what would that be considered? Just being a, a little baby? Or is that an actual... Like, what is... How far down the rabbit hole do you need to go before you can label something like that? But she got another job, so we'll talk about her doing the job, getting the job, doing the job, nervous breakdown. The job was in almost San Bernardino, which has personal connection for me. We'll talk about that. Uh, my friend, the engineer, came over to look at the crack in our house, and he brought his car. We'll talk about that. Uh, and I think we're done. Okay, so listen, thank you for listening to The Bitterest Pill. Uh, I do appreciate it. Pretty soon, my, my friend Tommy G um, just hit me to some donation thing that I may set up soon. Uh, for those of you that, when I stopped doing the premium pill, said, well, you know what, Dan, I would, I listen, I would pay the show, with, you know, you know what I mean? So we may do kind of like a little donation-y, subscription-y thing, purely voluntary. I don't know. We're looking into that. i got to find out what I can do between uh, 8.30 and 3. Maybe I'll just make a move. Maybe I'll make a movie. Maybe I'll um, become a teacher. Maybe that would be the answer. If I was a teacher, I bet they have to stay after school a lot, though, right? Who's going to drive my rich daughter to dance if I'm off teaching someone something? Anyway, listen, I have no clue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, your patience. <laughs> Thank you for not turning me into anim animal control. 
And uh, yeah, we'll talk next. Uh, okay. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 